From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. It's week two, so let's get into it. I'm your host, Nate Burleson. We're joined by my co-host, Seattle Seahawks defensive back, Jamal Adams. Get it done no matter what. Get it done no matter what. Whatever it takes, bro. When you get in a moment like that, it's whatever it takes. Pittsburgh Steelers tight end, Eric Ebron. I just wish I could punch him in his face sometimes and tell him, you are who you are. Like, I'm tired of sending him text messages to be like, bro, ignore these people. In New Orleans Saints wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. Some gambling's going to go down. Somebody's going to stay out too late. Somebody's going to go out and get drunk. Somebody's going to sneak out. Like, name a city that has more temptation than Vegas. This is 17 Weeks, week two. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 Weeks is available exclusively on the Pandora app and on SiriusXM On Demand. Be sure to subscribe and share the show too while you're at it. All right, let's get to the show. Let's get this show started with The Breakdown. This is it. That's going to shift. Here we go. He's going to take it himself and he doesn't get it. As summer gives way to fall and this historic season starts to take shape, we've already had some unforgettable moments and jaw-dropping finishes. None more thrilling than the Sunday Nighter in Seattle. We opened this episode with Jamal, who dominated again as a Seahawk, leading the way with six solo tackles and a sack in the Seahawks' 35-30 win over the Patriots. Even before Cam Newton took the shotgun snap with the game on the line, we all knew we were watching an instant classic in the making. Jamal, balls on the one, clocks ticking down, last play of the game. What's running through your minds? You know, we had a big, a big uh, goal line stand, and I think that that's what makes, you know, this team so special because, it, you know, no matter how the game is going, like, we're still we still know we're gonna win the game. And that's that's what's special about this brotherhood over here. That's what's pretty dope about this organization is that literally when Russ and Gio, you know, misconnected and, and McCordy got the pick six, everybody came to the sideline and we was like, bro, we're good. Jamal, what was said in the huddle before that final play? Get it done no matter what. Get it done no matter what. Whatever it takes, bro. When you get in a moment like that, it's whatever it takes. You got to lock in, bro, and really, really understand, like, what your job is at that time. What, sh- what, what are you supposed to do? If you just do your job, everybody, you know, is, it, somebody's going to make the play. We, 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 we enjoy the, the stop, but we don't like being down there, man. That's not fun, man. That's, that's a lot of pressure on the defensive guys, man, and, and a lot of pressure on the offensive side as well. You know, it's just, it's the game we love, bro. It's, it's, it's the passion. It's the love. It's the grit. And uh, when you find that and you, you, you stop somebody, you know, at the one-yard line, that's just, that tells you, man, it's a game of inches, bro. It's a beautiful game. After all those games versus the Pats as a Jet, Jamal got to cross a huge one off his bucket list. His first ever victory over New England. That's a good football team. That's a good program over there. there there's no knocking the Patriots. I've always had respect for them. Um, but, you know, I'm just I'm excited to finally, you know, uh, uh, beat those boys, man. Uh, that was that was a good feeling for me um, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm one in six versus them, man. But I wanted to beat the Pats like that was one of my goals, you know, uh, for, for, for this year was to beat the Pats. I have so much respect for that group over there, man. So that was a tough team that we beat. Um, And I'm pretty sure we'll see them in the playoffs, man, again. As a competitor, Cam Newton brings so much to the party. With Cam being so successful running with the ball earlier in the game, you had to know he was going to keep it. Man, definitely. We knew he was running it. Man, he definitely changed the swag of the Patriots in, in, in a good way, though. You know, me and him was going back and forth. He told me he was a lion. I told him I'm a lion, too. You know, he said he said he said he was talking all the noise and we was going back and forth. But that's the beauty of the game. man. I after the game told him nothing but respect. You know, I hit him on the DM, you know, pause. But I hit him on the DM and, you know, showed him love. And he showed love back. And, and that's what it's about, man. Just respect, respect from your peers. I think that's why, you know, I, I think that's way more important than anything is the people that you play against and. 
and, and, and your teammates and you showing them who you are as a person. Um, but but not only just off the field, but on the field as well. You know what I mean? Just just being genuine and, and, and showing love to to people that deserve the love. You know what I mean? So I thought that was pretty dope, man, to compete against Cam last night. And uh, obviously he's a beast, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Cam. I know firsthand that CenturyLink is one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL, giving Seattle a distinct home field advantage in a typical year. But 2020 isn't a typical year, especially without fans in the stands. Nobody's better than bringing the juice than the Seattle Seahawks. You can look at anybody's sideline. It don't even matter. Across the league, no one's messing with our sideline. No one's messing with our juice. But that starts up top, man. And that just starts with Pete all the way down, man. Like, after the first series, we felt like the fans were kind of there. You know what I mean? We kind of forgot, like, we, we didn't have fans. Like, you know what I mean? So that was pretty cool because that just shows the – the 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 chemistry and the fam and the family and the brotherhood that we 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 have over here. Jamal, you've been around him for a few months now. You chase down quarterbacks for a living. With the close-up look you now have, how does Russell Wilson rank as a QB? Russ is a hell of a quarterback, bro. Russ is the the best player I've ever seen in my life. I'll be I'll be I'll be quite honest. Uh he's special at what he does, man. Uh I've never seen anybody do what he does, at, you know, in, 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 in like every day. I'm not talking about just game day, like every day. He's a special guy, and, and I appreciate him so much because he helps me get better. He got everything in the world, and he's still busting his ass out here each and every day trying to be the best, man. So I respect three so much, man. I love him. I don't gotta, I, I'm glad I don't got to go against him. Hey, man, only in practice. I'm cool with that. But, man, listen, that offense over there that we got, Hey man, that's special. On Sunday afternoon, Eric's Pittsburgh Steelers looked like they were gonna run away with their first home win. But an easy W in the NFL is hard to come by. It took all 60 minutes for Pittsburgh to put away the visiting Broncos. All right, so week two, we're playing the Denver Broncos. And in our mind, without Von Miller, we're like, okay, offensively, we have to create some mojo. And we started off pretty solid, man. We started off good, man. But we keep hitting these lapses where it's like we just can't can't get anything done. And it gets so sickening. And it's like we're way too talented. We have a Hall of Famer at, at the helm. We do a good job at protecting Ben, man, and we just keep hitting these, these, these stoppages, and we just want it to stop, uh, especially, especially when your defense is grinding so hard, man. Um, we held them to 21 points defensively, which is, I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, in a football league, if we could score more than 21, and we have an offense to score more than 21, and of course, with our defense having 19 quarterback hits, which is unheard of, and I would have hate to have played quarterback that Sunday. It allows for us to have those lapses, but we can't do it too often. And just too often, man, we we allow the Denver Broncos to feel like they were in the game and feel like they were in contention to win that game and without a starting quarterback, man, you know? So it was it was it was a roller coaster of a game, man. We just happy to be when you're two and oh and when you win a game like that, man, you just you just gotta shake your head and just understand that this is the National Football League. Everyone gets paid. They're paid to stop you. You're paid to score. Shh, happens. You just gotta. You just gotta roll with it, man. And that's kind of how. It's kind of how week two went for us. Offensively, still trying to build an identity. Defensively, they're, they're just dominating, man. It's crazy to see. It's only two weeks, and they're already killing people. Eric finished with three catches for 43 yards, and the Steelers hung on for a 26 to 21 win over the Broncos. When Eric takes a good look at his new team's offense. He sees only good things on the horizon, particularly with the Steelers' receiver core. Our receiver core is so young. Chase Claypool, first year. Deontay's third year. Juju's fourth year. It's my seventh. So for me, it's like I'm okay with being double teamed. I'm okay with taking the safety out the middle of the field. I'm okay with my younger group of skill players understanding that at the end of the day, we don't win games without them. I can be the baddest tight end in the world. 
But I, I, I play tight end, you know. What's the likelihood of me going for 150 yards every, you know, game? Our younger receivers are so talented and they're so willing, man. It's so dope to be a part of. I just try to do my part. Um, I try to bring a lot of fun. I try to, you know, get them riled up. I try to get them, you know, to understand the game within the game, you know. Excuse me. Those meaningful plays that that third down or that big catch or, you know, with with dealing with younger guys, you know, all they want to do is ball. And I've been there and I've understood that. And all you want to do is ball. And you don't care about nothing else. And, you know, watching them and reflecting upon how I was and seeing how they're developing, like Chase gets his first touchdown and it's 84 yard, 86 yard bomb, whatever it was. And I'm just smiling, man, because I, I've seen it. I've talked to him, you know, about it. I've I've had those talks like, man, you know, you're going to be good if you just continue to grind and work hard. And Ben, you know, he's going to find it. Man, when they make those plays, I feel like I'm making those plays. So, man, our young group of, our young group is so talented. Our skilled players are so talented. Even James Conner, who considered a skilled player, so young and talented. For me, I feel like, I feel like the big brother, man. I've, I've been in the league for such a long time. I feel like... The big, the big brother, and I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy in that role. I don't need all of the shine, all of the production, all the time. I just want to win. Running back James Conner came up big in the win. Eric and James go way back. He's been rocking with James for a minute. You want me to be honest with you? With James Conner, man, I've known and seen James' game for so long. To me, the only thing I told him was, man, I'm so happy I finally get to play with you, bro. I wanted to play with you. Like, see you work, grind with you since co- since college. Like, I've been playing against him in college. And he's just always been, like, one of my favorite players, man. He won ACC Player of the Year. I'm like, who the is James Conner, you know? For someone to have went through the life adversities that James has, I can't tell him nothing about football. Nothing about the adversity of football can ever dwell or make someone so strong like that ever worry. So for me, it was never about, hey, James, you know, we need you, man. If, you, if you're not running hard or if you're not, man, heck no. It's James Conner, man. It's James, look, bro, we have those. First, first week of the season, pff, pff, people not even going to remember that by week five. Like, come on, bro. Like, whatever, man. Come back out here. We got you. That's all I told him. We got you. I, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I don't hate blocking. I just dislike it. A little bit because <laughs> it's just it's just who I am. I just dislike it. But if James Conner's gonna run that football, if Benny Snell gonna run that football, those are my guys, man. I'm gonna do everything I can to move somebody. Final play. Camara. And that's gonna do it. Wow. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Raiders. Week two also saw the Raiders kick off their first time in Sin City. Emmanuel Saints invaded Allegiant Field, a.k.a. the Death Star, for an historic Monday nighter for the record books. New Orleans looked dominant early, but that didn't last long. The Raiders defeated the Saints 34-24, and our guy Emmanuel pulled down his lone reception, but it was too little, too late. You know, obviously we're sitting right right now at one on one. That's our record. I'd rather be two and zero, oh, but you know, we didn't handle business in the AKA Death Star, whatever uh, Gruden has has named this thing. The game definitely didn't go how I expected. We came out, we were rolling over them. I thought it was going to be an easy game, and then we kind of we kind of flattened out. And um, you know, obviously, uh, I didn't I didn't get my first catch until the end of the uh, of the game, and so. You know, that, that kind of bothered me a little bit as well because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always going to be a straight shooter and it's one of those situations that, uh, you know, I, I you know if, if we're winning, um, you know, and I have zero catches, I don't really care. But, you know, once we lose and I have one catch, you know, it, it affects me because I say, you know, I, I had an opportunity to make an outcome in the, in the game and I didn't, whether it was opportunities, whether it was me getting open, whether, whatever it is. I don't know. It's a new team, you know, and so... You know they got to they got to grow to know me and I got to grow to know them and uh you know and and truthfully you know the covid has kind of slowed down that process as well like let's let's be real I just I'm a, I'm a, I'm a new free agent on a new team right I didn't have any preseason games to get acclimated um and I never had any OTAs to get acclimated with the playbook so 
even sometimes Drew comes in the huddle, he says a play, I feel like I'm doing more thinking than I am playing right now. So that's not an excuse, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, we got to get better as a team. Yeah, I mean, I, this is my 11th year, so it's one of those situations where, you know, I sit back and say, you know, who cares, you know, right? Like, I, you just got to put it behind you, and really, like, the terminology I use is I don't give a you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Like, I can only control what I can control. And so that game is behind me. And the uh, only thing we can do is look forward to the future. And I know that it's going it's gonna to come a time when we're going to be talking on this podcast. And we got you, we named this thing 17 weeks for a reason, right? We named this thing 17 weeks for a reason. And, and I pray to God, by, by, by eight weeks, we're going to be running off. on. We're going to have a nice little streak going on. And I believe that. Even in September, an unexpected loss can make room for doubt to creep in. But Emmanuel, an 11-year vet joining a veteran team like the Saints, knows an NFL season is a marathon, not a sprint. Everybody's in panic mode right now. You know, I tell I tell people all the time, in, this, in, in the NFL, when you win, you feel like you're never going to lose again. And when you lose, you feel like you're never going to win again. Right. And that's just how it goes. That's just the mentality. So when you lose in this league, everybody's in panic mode. Everybody's in panic mode until we get that win and everybody can take a deep breath. And it, and that's how it is. Like, I know that this week at practice is going to everybody's got to be on they, they P's and Q's. We everybody no mistakes. Everybody got to be on a mental assignments. Everybody got to be locked in and ready to go. And so so we can have a good performance on Sunday night and get back on the on the right page. Maybe what happened in Vegas used to stay in Vegas, but not anymore. Not with the Raiders in town. We stayed at the win and um, Sean Payton said that pretty much uh, every hotel from here on out that we have, we bought out. But at the win, we couldn't buy it out because it's so huge. So we literally had to buy out like a, a floor, like two floors. And so, uh, you know, and we had our, our meeting rooms and everything, but it was weird, though, like having to go down into the, 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 the lobby and then go to the meetings rooms and it just smells like straight cigars and, and, and marble light <laughs> 100s. Vegas is definitely going to be different uh, for a team who's not going out there with the COVID situation going on because we were in COVID. We were in almost 24-hour lockdown, but, dude, I can only imagine when, like, it opens back up and people go out there and family members out there. It's going to be some stuff that go down. Some gambling's going to go down. Somebody's going to stay out too late. Somebody's going to go out and get drunk. Something's going to, something crazy is going to happen. Somebody's going to sneak out. Like, I mean, it's, it's it, like name a city that has more temptation than Vegas. Everybody's going to say, uh, well, we all knew that was going to happen. I just didn't know it was going to be that dumb. You know, playing in a brand new stadium is an experience football players don't soon forget. Emmanuel's no architect, but he did have some critiques of the Silver and Black's new home. Yeah, the amenities is cool, but one thing that I like about the Cowboys Stadium, I think the stadium is gorgeous, you know, all the all black, the lights on the outside. It's just a locker room is just too small. It's like, dude, like y'all just put a billion dollars into this thing and y'all made the locker room look like this? Like, come on. And I'm saying that and I might be wrong and I might be right, but I saw John Gruden, um, you know, doing his little haka dance or whatever after he won. And I said, well, dude, they locker room looks just like the visiting locker room. I'm like, dude, these locker rooms are, I'm not going to say trash, but they weren't up to par of what I expected in a brand new billion dollar stadium. Let's take a look at what's in store for week three. Seattle's next game has Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and the one-in-one Dallas Cowboys visiting the Emerald City. And our guy Jamal expects a challenge. Yeah, you know, we got that's gonna be a that's gonna be a great matchup for us. You know, we gotta we gotta do a good job of slowing those guys down. Very explosive offense. But most most importantly, we gotta stop the run, man. Zeke is a bad boy. Um, you know, Dak doing his thing in the back. Uh, man, they got a they got a squad, man. We gotta be ready to go. We gotta clean up a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, as far as like little things. Just to just to you know get better at um, for 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 this week coming, uh, so you know we're excited about that man. We we understand that we got a challenge ahead of us, and we understand what type of football team this is. It's a f- physical football team, and they want to run the ball. Jamal, I know you're looking forward to next week's matchup. You're a Cowboy fan, right? I never was a Cowboy fan, you know. Growing up, you know, my pops played for the Giants, so I was a Giant fan. Believe it or not, you know. So. Uh, when growing up, I was all about Plexico Birds, Tiki Barber. I still got a Tiki Barber jersey still to this day. You know, 
the OCs, the the Michael Strahan's, the the Justin Tucks, and the Corey Webster's, the Antoine Rowe. I know the whole team, Bradshaw, it, Jeremy Shockey. I can keep going on and on, bro. Manningham, like I was a big Giant fan, and you know I've always loved the Giants, man. I've always loved those colors, man. My bed sheets when I was a kid was all Giants, and I had Giants clocks and pictures and all types of stuff in the house, man. But it, you know, it's just crazy that, you know, how things work. Pittsburgh hosts the Houston Texans at Heinz Field on Sunday. But for Eric, there's more at stake than a week three win. Eric's wife used to be a big Texans fan. And in the offseason, Eric now calls part of East Texas his home. So Houston, Texas. I live in Houston, so can't lose. <laughs> no, sir, can't lose. No, can't go back home. Had them boys talking crazy to me. I'm looking all with the with the with the I just something bad face. And I don't. Um, Houston Texans. Yeah. Yep. They come into town. Can't lose. That's all I know. Can't lose. Uh, they're 0-2. They going to come in here hotter than a firecracker. Can't lose. Don't care. I don't care. We'll, we're going to have to duke it out on Sunday. I live there. My family, my kids are from there. I train with them. I work out with those dudes. I, can't take no L's. I can't wait. I love playing Houston. It's always fun playing Houston. So many guys that I'm I'm cool with, close to. Deshaun is my guy. McKinney, the linebacker, is my guy. David Johnson is my guy. Brandon Cooks is my guy. Kenny Stills is my guy. Reed is my guy. Little E. Reed back there, that's my man. Uh, Lonnie, I've seen Lonnie work so hard this offseason. Um, Man, I'm excited, man. I love playing against the Texans, man, especially for bragging rights. I even get to throw it in my wife's face. I mean, she was born in Venezuela, but raised in Texas. But still, it's, yeah, she in Texas. She was. I mean, she not. I mean, but she, at heart, I'm sure she still is. You know what I'm saying? So if I win, I continue to diminish that that love for them. So <laughs> I just got to keep winning. Meanwhile, back in the Big Easy, Emmanuel and the Saints return home after a long flight to prepare for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in primetime. Emmanuel, you expecting a shootout Sunday night? Man, no, I want I want to blow these guys out the water. You know, I don't I don't, I don't ever go in no game saying yeah, I want it to be a shootout. I want us to be shooting them out, you know, and then they can't fire back. And so I want to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, you know, I, I want to go out and have. One of those games where everybody going to the locker room and know that we we played up to our capabilities, right? And we got we got a good defense and and they got a good team too. And the running back right now is you know Aaron Rodgers. You talk about Aaron Rodgers, but their running back is actually the number one rusher in the league right now. So um, you know we got our hands full. Uh, but like I said, Sunday night football, Aaron Rodgers. And the Green Bay Packers come in town. We got to handle business no matter what. Like and I say that and. You know, I, I kind of get a little Debbie down uh, because, you know, I'm, I want to say the, the, the Superdome is going to be rocking with fans and this and that, this and that. But it's, it's going to be mutual, man. It's going to be I can scream across the field, hey, Aaron, you suck. And he can hear everywhere that I say it. You know, it's going to be that quiet in there. All right, guys, bring it in. It's time for the Huddle Up. The New York Giants have to find a way to be competitive without one of the best running backs in football, Saquon Barkley, an ankle injury last year that he kept trying to play through even though it wasn't 100%. Now he has the kind of injury you can't play through, the torn ACL. That was confirmed today. And Shireen, the bigger picture... The prevailing story coming out of Week 2 wasn't the comeback wins, fantastic finishes, or the league record 11 undefeated teams. It was the rash of injuries that struck early and often making its way through the Sunday slate of games. Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, and Cortland Sutton all going for the season with ACL tears. Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Raheem Mostert, and dozens of guys across the league already on the injury report. This week on The Huddle Up, Jamal, Eric, and Emmanuel give us the player point of view on staying healthy while playing the world's most violent sport. It's a tough sport that we play. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's really... You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, we, we, we do get injured uh, for what we do, but we love the game so much. And I, and I take my, my hats off um, to, a lot, to everybody that plays this game because you got you to gotta be a little bit different, man. You got to be different in a good way and you got to be willing to, to know you're, you're, you're risking it. it it's, it's, a, it's a fun game, but it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous game, at, you know, at the same time. But 
we just got to be smarter, man. That's why we're taking some of these hits out, um, head-to-head, you know, contacts and whatnot, uh, just to try to make the game safer because, you know, these injuries are happening um, to people. But, you know, like I said, prayers to everybody that went down and, you know, especially to to uh, B.I., Bruce Irvin, man, and, and my guy Marquise. Um, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate news. Um, and I feel for him, man. But, you know, best believe we're going to hold it down for him and go just as hard um, if they was on the field, man, and, and just to honor those boys, man. So definitely going to miss them. Without your, without your body, you can't perform on that field. So you got to take care of it. You know, it's like a Ferrari. It's like a, it's like a Phantom. You know, you want, you want to put good, great gas in it. You don't want to put the cheap gas into it. So you just got to do right, um, eat right, and just take care of your body as best you can. But like I said, man, sometimes just these freak injuries, they happen, and it's part of our game, man. And I hate that about it, man. How does this spike of injuries hit you, Eric? That's crazy. That's all you could say is like, that's crazy. Because you you think about everything that you've done to get to where you are just for it to be taken away. You've trained your butt off for however many months in the offseason, however many years throughout your life. And boom, we get there. We're in week two. You're like, long season, let's go. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Lights go dark. Everything's over. Next thing you know, you're getting carted off. And you're wondering, what's next? Like, what the heck is next for me? If you're a young guy, you're probably like, get healthy, come back next year, dominate. If you're an older guy, you're like, holy crap. You know what I'm saying? That is football. That is the game. Think about it. You work so hard. You've treasured something for so long, and then boom, it's just gone. That's that's tragic, man. That's that's all we can say is like, yo, like, <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, bro. That's all I got. <laughs> Emmanuel's former teams have been hit especially hard. Man, I tell you what, it was just a crazy day. It was a crazy day for football just to see so many superstars, so many guys close to me. We talking Cortland Sutton, a receiver who, you know, came into Denver and was getting ready to have another Pro Bowl year. I know it for 100%. Then Saquon, then my boy Nick Bosa, then my guy Solomon, you know, and everything that's happening on the San Fran, you know, I was – I wanted to text Kyle Shanahan, like, what the heck is going on? Because I know he's thinking the same thing. Like, what the heck? Like, I can't catch a break, you know, because you got Jimmy down. You got Kittle down. You got Richard Sherman down. You got so many guys. It's like, what the heck is going on? But, you know, I can sit up here and say I didn't go into that game and I didn't think about injuries, but I literally went into that game like, holy shit, like, I hope this doesn't happen to me, you know, and I know every player was thinking that, right? Because you like, you see so many, you like, what the heck is going on, you know? Could a lack of preseason because of COVID-19 restrictions be at least partly to blame? Well, you know, obviously it was tough during, you know, with the pandemic. Um, I think we should have at least two games, um, you know, just to, just to, you know, let the rookies and and guys that, that want a chance or, you know, that, that, that want a chance to show their talent and show what they got. Um, because, you know, if they're not on the team that they're on, their, 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 their film is always, you know, on at, at other spots. You know, people are always watching to where you're interviewing, you know, for another team. So every day's an interview. Eric, have anything more to add? Preseason is not the cause of this. Regular season is not the cause of this. Football is the cause of it. We put our lives on the line every day. People don't understand that. Every play from practice to the end of Sunday, end of Monday or Thursday, whenever people play, we are literally putting every muscle, every tendon, every ligament, every bone, every joint, everything in harm's way. It's a 100% injury rate. We go out there. By the grace of God, we're able to come back healthy. It's just the way of life, man. I try to tell people all the time, I had to explain this to my wife, who I, I feel like people don't truly understand the immense amount of work it goes into for preparation, for your body to feel good, for you to, for your body to feel up to par the next week to play that game. And never mind if you got a short week, it's a tough game. It's a really hard game. Week in and week out, you pray you're satisfied, you're the happiest ever if you could just come out of the game healthy. You come out of the game healthy with a win, greatest day ever, ever. You come out of the game healthy with a win, 100 yards or a touchdown, boy, you on top of the world. It's like, 
It's just how it is, man, because it's so hard to do what we do, and people don't understand that. When when you get injured, you just put a lifetime of work down the drain, and you have to start over. That is what an injury is. A lifetime of work, and now you have to rebuild your body back because every injury causes a reaction to another muscle or another. You have to... You have to completely rebuild yourself, man. And you don't know when it's going to happen again. You don't want to, you, you fear that pain. You fear that incident instance of, damn, can it happen again? What did I even do? You know, uh, ACL, your knee, like if you didn't get hit or you put your foot in the ground wrong, it's like, do I ever want to take that plant again? Can I ever do a, I pull my hamstring. Do I ever feel like I could run full speed again, man? It's so mentally and psychologically stressful man i just pray that everyone comes back stronger man it's hard so where do you stand when it comes to training camp and otas training camp is very necessary nothing gets you in football shape like football you need training camp i'll never get rid of training camp it's the worst thing in the world but nothing gets you in football in football shape like football you can i don't care man you could go run damn Run every stadium in, in 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 Ann Arbor since they have one of the biggest stadiums. You can go run a marathon. You're still going to be tired. I and those three plays that you out there like no other. You have to play football to get in football shape. Training camp is a must. OTAs. I think OTAs died this year with COVID. <laughs> I'm be honest. I don't know about OTAs. We, them, them could go bye-bye. I'm good on them organized trading activity. I do that at home with my kids. <laughs> I don't need to be around a bunch of grown men. <laughs> How about you, Emmanuel? Can training camp be eliminated? I don't mind training camp because training camp is, is, is the time that I can get my, get, get my mindset right. Uh, Get my body right uh, to think because you gotta think. We're about to. You see the. You see. You watch a game on television. You see these guys getting smacked around, and so training camp is a way to get get your endurance up. And I'm a firm believer in that. A lot of guys get hurt because when fatigue sets in, that's when that's when you you start moving weird, and that's when injuries happen. And so for me, uh, you know, it's it's always about my time to get my conditioning up and. No matter what, like you can run around and you can run marathons all day, uh, every single day, but you can't, that still can't prepare you for football shape because it's stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. I also like, you know, being an 11 year vet. Uh, every now and then the coach tell me, hey, you're not practicing today. I'm going to take it easy on your old man. So, um, you know, if I can have that type of, type of mixture, you know, I, I feel like I could play 15 years. I know all too well what it's like to deal with injuries. I'll give you a quick rundown, starting at my feet. I have broken ankles. You move up to my knees, where I have an ACL, MCL, PCL on my left leg. I broke my right leg, broke my rib, detached cartilage in my rib cage, separated both shoulders, broke my nose, broke my finger, tore my left thumb. Of course, I've had concussions and I've also tore my hamstrings. So I know what it's like to have a devastating injury. I'm talking about one that makes you question everything you ever bought, every decision you ever made, every bad decision you ever made, because you're thinking to yourself, is this karma coming back to kick my ass? All the while trying to prepare yourself to get back on the field. This is unique because while these guys are dealing with those exact same things, there's also this big question. How much of the offseason has to do with guys being injured? Now, I always feel like injuries are inevitable. But when it comes to this offseason, how many guys simulated real football? I'm not talking about the sexy training. I'm not talking about doing it for the grand. I'm talking about cleats on the grass, going out there with another dude, feeling another grown man, put all of his weight and strength on you, trying to stop you from rushing or trying to stop you from catching a ball. How many guys simulated that part of the game? Not that many. There's a big difference between the OTAs, the voluntary camps, training camp, preseason, and everything in between that guys lightweight complain about, but on the flip side, it prepares us for the season. So I do believe that there is a correlation. They go hand in hand. The rigorous offseason that sometimes we hate, the monotony of 
coaches yelling at us and us tearing our bodies down just to build them back up right before the season. It's a necessary evil. And we're seeing it right now. There is no way that all of these injuries are just going to happen by chance. Injuries, they come in waves. So if you're a fan and you're saying, oh, this is going to be a terrible season because every player I love is going to get hurt. Or most of the guys that I support or my fantasy team is going to be decimated by injuries. No, 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 no. Injuries come in waves. You'll see. There's going to be a couple of months in the middle of the season where nobody gets injured. That's just the way it is. I've heard somebody say once, and it was one of the realest things I ever heard. (laughs) The football gods require sacrifice and they're going to take blood. The great thing about football gods is they give back to the game too. So you can expect an amazing football season despite all of these injuries. All right, before we say so long, it's time for quick outs. Everyone in football took a moment to marvel at the debut of LA Charger rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, who was a last minute replacement for veteran QB Tyrod Taylor. Our guys are no different. Eric, what did you notice? The Herbert story, for him to come out and play the way he did was phenomenal. I don't care nothing about what head coach was talking about. I don't care nothing about what OC was talking about. Um, I heard something like, you know, coaches bashing him for having a bad game, and I'm not sure if that's necessarily true or some things that he might have did, but I don't think you would have found a quarterback more prepared and more ready in that situation to take on the Kansas City Chiefs at the last minute. You may tell me I'm about to go play against Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, damn Edwards, uh, 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 Eclair, or uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. <laughs> Edwards, Eclair, you about to you about to go play against these dudes, and they look nasty. And ten seconds before the game, you tell me I'm the starter. There's no quarterback ready. There would have been no quarterback ever ready, no matter how hard you prepare for that situation and to come out and do what he did. I thought he played fantastic as a rookie. Now, professionally, there's everybody has mistakes. Everybody makes bad reads, miss blocks, uh, drop a ball or uh, miss a tackle or uh, interception, whatever, bro. He played great. He took the Kansas City Chiefs to overtime. Defense played great, had his back. You can't, you can't talk about nothing better. Emmanuel, how about you? Did you catch Herbert's performance against KC? Yeah, like that. That's crazy with Tyrod. Tyrod uh, ended up getting an injection in his ribs and 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 got called out of the game. And then Herbert, I can only imagine the coach walking. And then I saw this guy's press conference. He got his hair all wild. I'm like, eh, it's, he reminds me of Minshew a little bit. Like he just just lacks a day school. Don't really care, rookie. Like he was like the coach just. Tapped me on my shoulder, said, I'm starting. Here I go. I'm starting. This dude goes out in balls versus, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and almost almost beat him, really should have beat him. You know, uh, but I tell you what, I would hate to be the head coach right now with the Chargers because he got some questions you got to answer. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? The strong play of Cincinnati rookie QB Joe Burrow has caught the players' attention as well. I think Joe Burrow might have threw the football 101 times. Um, new NFL record, crazy. And I just played like, through the football like 60 something times. I don't, I don't know. Um, but for a quarterback to throw the ball 60 something times and complete more than half of them, I think he did. Oh man, Joe Burrow's pretty good. He's very efficient. That's what I like as a rookie, even as a rookie. So I like it. The Cowboys 40 to 39 come from behind win versus the Falcons was wild. At one point they were trailing 20 to zero. How did Atlanta allow such an epic comeback again? I'm on hands team, right? So when they do onside kicks, I'm the up back. I'm usually the guy receiving the ball, trying to end the game, make sure we secure it and got it. When the ball is kicked, right, and you're on hands team and they're on the onside team, if the ball doesn't advance, that's okay. The ball doesn't have to reach 10 yards for you to touch it as the receiving team. It only has to go 10 yards for them to touch it. So to see no Atlanta Falcon player know that or understand that on that team, one, it sucks because you're not talking about hands teams in your meeting room. You're not talking about that. You put your veterans out there, you put your players out there that you assume know what they're doing and you line them up, you tell them where they are and you assume they they know what they're doing. You know, they you assume they know the rules. You assume that, you know, 
they would study and understand how the kicker kicks the ball and things of that nature. I don't understand how that happened. I've seen the Carolina-Clemson game where we kicked the ball onside. We were making a comeback. It's Mitch Trubisky's last year, I think. We were making a comeback, and we kicked the ball offside, and they called us offside, but we got the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand something like that, like, but that, man, the Atlanta Falcons should have won that game. They should have never been in that situation. And you can't fault anybody, but, and I, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a sports guy, but you can't fault anybody or anything about that, but the coaching staff, because everybody on the field should have known on the receiving team that the ball does not have to advance 10 yards for you to get the ball. But now everybody's upset and the Atlanta Falcons because that shouldn't have happened. And I mean, kudos to the Dallas Cowboys. When you can win in this league, good, ugly, pretty, bad, the ugliest chick in the room, it don't matter. You walk away with that. It's 3 a.m., the ugliest chick in the room on me. It's a win. I'm gone. Come on, baby. We out. <laughs> that's how you have, that's how it is in the league, man. You get that ugly win, baby, ain't nothing like it. It, it don't matter. A win is a win. You see 3 and 0. Oh, you see 2-0. and oh. You don't see how we got it. Whatever. It's like golf, man. I got a par. You didn't see how I got that par. The par is on the scorecard. It don't matter if I was in a tree or hit a tree all the way there. I got it. That's it. Emmanuel, could you believe what you were seeing? Man, that game was crazy. Matter of fact, my boy Calvin really, man, what? This dude it was balling. Man, this dude was balling. I was I, I was up last night at two o'clock, just watching all the games like on uh, on my iPad and just watching the uh, the coach's version of it, and just seeing this dude Calvin really just tear it up. But Jesus Christ, what's going on in Atlanta, man? These guys can't they can't hold they can't hold the lead. They can't hold it. They can't hold it. They can't hold it. But man, that's my boy. So I got mad. I, I it's crazy. I was watching that game. And I was like, come on. I saw Dak on the sideline. Dak just looked, he just looked down like, 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 come on, we got to battle back. It's like he was talking to himself. The Chicago Bears are 2-0. and oh. And Eric went out his way to big up his college teammate, former Tar Heel Mitchell Trubisky. Eric, you got something to say to those Mitch Trubisky haters? When you talk about Mitch Trubisky, you'd say 2-0 and oh, Mitch. And I'm, I'm Mitch's biggest fan, man. Um... And I'm his biggest fan because I'm one of the reasons why he decided to stay at Carolina, man. I've, I've, I've preached to him and I told him and I, I kept him so close to Carolina because I knew he was good. I knew he had something special, man. And you can get to the NFL and you could, you could completely lose your confidence. You could, come, you, could, you could come to the National Football League and forget who you are, what you've ever done. Can I play this game? Am I good enough? Am I fast enough? Am I strong enough? Man, maybe I can't make this throw. Man, I don't know if I can make this throw. I've been making this throw all week. But, man, coach, you know, all week's been telling me, you know, it's so many things, bro. You could get so lost within this game that you, you, you play bad. You 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 second guess yourself. You lose your confidence, and now you've dug yourself a grave. And the only way to dig out of that grave is to climb out. And I believe I believe in Mitch, man. I just believe in him. I just know what kind of person he is. He's gonna climb out of it, man. He's going to flourish, man. He's going to he's going to succeed in situations all the time. That's just who who he's been. I got nothing but confidence in Mitch. I believe. Mitch is going to be a great player. I believe he is a great player. I just wish I could punch him in his face sometimes and tell him, you are who you are. Like, I'm tired of sending him text messages to be like, bro, ignore these people, bro. No one cares about these people. No one cares about... I don't even care what your coach say, bro. Like, you are who you are. Go be that. Because on Sunday, if you make that throw and he catches it and he scores that touchdown, what the... Yo, coach going to say... Nothing. Absolutely nothing, bro. You think Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady goes out there all the time and be like, I'm going to throw it to this person on this play, and boom, I'm going to be a hero. No, they improvise. They make things happen. They make the proper reads. They know, you know, they have a plan for everything. That's all I want my man Mitch to go out there and do. Have a plan, know that plan, and fucking dominate, bro. That's all you got to do, especially at quarterback. Just bring that energy. Everybody else will follow you. In a year filled with unimaginable tragedies, week two of the NFL featured an abrupt and unexpected one. Before the Sunday night game in Seattle, 
Patriots running back James White was informed that his father had been killed in a car accident and his mother was seriously injured. Each of our guys took the opportunity to offer James and his family their condolences. James White, man. I've heard a lot about you from Giovanni Bernard. It's one of, I believe, one of your closer closer friends i don't know like there's any motivational any encouraging thing to honestly say uh i just pray i pray and i pray tough times really don't last tough people do situations like this there's gonna be so many more people that need him but i want him to understand that it's gonna be somebody that he needs as well talk to somebody don't always keep that 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 bad and negative energy bottled up because it goes nowhere. From someone that's made plenty of mistakes and wish he hasn't, negative energy, negative mindset, negative thoughts, they all come through fruition. And if you if you promote positive energy, positive thoughts, when those come through fruition, it's way better than anything negative so just remain positive man i know it's hard but positivity rules overall man negativity is hard 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 to get along with so just remain positive bro that's really it it's hard jamal any words you'd like to offer you know i just uh you know i'm praying for you man i i you know i was looking forward to you know obviously going against each other and competing against each other uh, once again, and uh, man, I have none, nothing but respect for you, man. You're a hell of a hell of a baller, but heard nothing but good things. You know, uh, a great person off the off the field. So, uh, just want to say, man, you know, uh, praying for you, brother. Um, what a, what a tragedy, and um, I, I hope um, you know you can you can you know collect your thoughts and um, you know uh, never never question a man upstairs, man. I think that. He got a plan for you, brother. And uh, man, that's what a what a what a tough loss and uh, t- tough uh, tough situation. Stay strong, brother. Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah. That was that's just uh, a sad situation. You know, I was watching the the Seattle uh, Patriots game. And that's when I found out. You know, I lost I lost my mother. Uh, you know, uh, shortly as well. Uh, you know, she just didn't. She didn't wake up out of her sleep. I got a phone call like four in the morning saying that she had passed. And it just made me think of, of that situation because sudden death is, is just hard. It's hard. I, I mean, six months, well, last year around this time, my grandfather was here and he was always at my games. And then he caught cancer and I saw literally cancer deteriorate this guy and turn him into a tomato. And so, you know, that was hard to see, but that sudden death it was, it was just, it was just tough. And so, my condolences go out to James White, and uh, I can't say that I know what he's going through. Uh, uh, but you know, at the same time, you know, I I pray for him. I pray for the family, and you know, I pray that God places um, places it in his heart to 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 you know, recover from a, a tough situation if, if he ever does. And you know, uh, it's just it's just a sad situation. I'm praying for him. This year, we lost some absolute legends. Kobe Bryant, Chadwick Boseman, of course. The NFL world lost a legend as well. Gail Sayers, one of the best running backs to ever play the game. My dad played strong safety. He was a hitter. So whenever he talked about football, I would listen. And I remember asking him about the best running backs to ever play the game. He mentioned Earl Campbell, Walter Payton. But when he talked about Gail Sayers, he lit up. And then I went back and I watched film. Gail Sayers was beautiful. Gail Sayers was graceful. Gail Sayers was poetic. He was incredible when he had the ball in his hands. His nickname was the Kansas Comet. Anytime you're named after a Comet, you know you are damn fast. And as great of a player he was, because he was a true Hall of Famer, he was an even better man. I know he's running through those heavenly gates and in football heaven they're having one hell of a party up there Gail Sayers rest in peace fellas it's time to close the show and give a shout out to your fans Jamal you're up first it's going down next week man every week tune in you're gonna get nothing but great thoughts um, nothing but great stories and we're gonna keep it authentic on here man and anything that you guys want me to 
answer. I, I'm always open to answering, man. Shoot me with questions. Uh, but, you know, we're going to stay with the swag. We're going to keep swagging it up. Um, you know, 2-0, and good feeling. Uh, after after tomorrow, we got to move on and get ready for Dallas coming in because that's a tough battle uh, coming up. And, uh, man, you know, trying to go 3-0, uh, one game at a time, man. The next game is, is, is important because it's the next one. So y'all tune in, man. Y'all check in with me. Again, next week is going down. The Prez is back. We'll be back. All right, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Much love. Eric, have anything more to add? Shout out to my 2-0 teams, man. You know what I'm saying? It's hard being 2-0 in the NFL. And you don't take none of these wins for granted. So go out there. Give everything you got to be 3-0. And if you 2-1... Too bad, so sad. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm saying it like we three and up. <laughs> um, just try to go out there and give it all you got this week, man. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We trying to do everything we can to make this the hottest podcast. It is because it's real, it's raw, and it's live. Emmanuel, last but not least. This one uninterrupted. I'm giving y'all content that's going viral. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when we drop a new episode every Thursday. If you like what you heard, which I know you do, come on, man, don't front. Spread the love. Share the show. I'm your host, A.B., Shout out to my co-hosts, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. This show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Castrodale. Editing and sound design by Chris Watherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, senior director, podcast production at SiriusXM. Andy King, director, sports programming at SiriusXM. It's written by John McLaughlin. Special shout out on this episode to my boys, Saquon, C-Mac, Bosa, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Barr, and every other player out there that's banged up putting their body on the line. All right, till next week, we out.